0: back to another edition of Frequently Unasked Questions. As always, I am your resident historian Michaela Springer, joined in person by the light of my life, Becca Massick, and co-host. Light of my life and (laughs) co-host, but the light of my life
1: seemed more important. Hey Becca, how you doing? Well, I'm okay. Um, Part of the reason that we're doing this in person is because I broke my arm three weeks ago. Um, I fell in my kitchen as a 24-year-old adult. And literally snapped my wrist. Like a twig. Like a twig. So I have a very beautiful purple cast on. I get to uh, hopefully get it taken off in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but yeah, it's very hard to hold recording equipment and manage all of that with uh, one hand.
0: Yeah, you have to hold it. I yeah. forgot.
1: Yeah. So it was easier to just come and visit you. So... Yeah. No
0: one can see it, but I just made an adorable face. Yeah, she's pretty cute. <laughs> so are you ready for today's episode?
1: I'm so ready. Okay. I'm very excited.
0: Today's episode is called Mad as a Hatter.
1: Oh. Oh, I think I might actually know a little bit about this one. So in ye olden times, hatter's used to make hats with specific things. That were not good for you and that's the extent of my knowledge okay i don't know any specifics on it but that's my my guess as to what the episode's about
0: yes so hatters did used to use mercury which turned them insane so today we're talking about the hat industry of the 19th century and how it turned a whole country of people just insane so
1: nice
0: yeah so the term mad as a hatter is a colloquial English term that appeared in the early 19th century to describe hatters, or hat makers, who had been exposed to mercury poisoning. From there, it was associated with the hatter from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and I think that's where most people know it. Mm -hmm. Because usually if you say the term, mad as a hatter, people are like, Alice in Wonderland! You're like, well, kind of, but no. (laughs) So today we'll be discussing the history of mercury and hat making, How It Transformed England and Lewis Carroll's Stories. Uh, Then we'll be moving on to Danbury, Connecticut, and then 20th Century Laws in America that uh, kind of restricted mercury use. And then mercury poisoning in 2020, in 2021. I guess when I wrote this, it was 2020, but now it's 2021. (laughs) So what is Mad Hatter's Disease? Well, according to the APA, or American Psychology Association, Mad Hatter's disease is a condition caused by chronic mercury poisoning and characterized by a change in mental status, emotional disturbances, gastrointestinal disturbances, and weakness or partial paralysis of the legs.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Sorry. It's allergy season, so I'm (laughs) a little unholstered been drinking mocha, so my throat is just weirdly coated, so one second. So the condition may also cause psychosis, behavioral changes, erythism, and several other symptoms. Mm. And I can no longer remember what erythism is, but I'm sure that I talk about it somewhere. Oh, we can Google it. Becca's going to Google it.
1: Neurological disorder, which affects the whole central nervous system, as well as a symptom complex derived from mercury poisoning. So it was like a very specific to mercury poisoning
0: disease. Yeah, so yeah, is is very specific to mercury poisoning and it's like the most common symptom of Mad Hatter's disease. So more physical symptoms include hair loss, tooth and nail loss, muscle spasms, drooling, slurred speech, unfocused thoughts or speech, depression, insomnia, irritability, loss of memory, fatigue, hallucinations, skin discoloration, increased heart rate, kidney problems, and trembling hands, or me after my morning coffee. (laughs) <laughs>
1: you guys think it's a joke, but it's not. Yeah.
0: I brew my cold brew for way too long, but that's a different issue entirely. <laughs> John Pearson coined the term erethism in 1805 to encompass all aspects of mercury poisoning, but during the second half of the 19th century, it was limited to the psychotic symptoms of the disease. I knew I explained that somewhere. Yeah. So why mercury and hat making? Do you know, do you
1: want to take a guess? Um, probably something, I know hats used to be made of, like, felts, which mm. I didn't know until I was a grown-up were made from animals. I didn't know felt was an animal thing. I thought it was literally just, like, uh, the thing you use for arts and crafts as a kid. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure it has something to do with making animal skins appropriate to wear on your head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It comes into the, uh, the tanning process. Mm. So, taking this back a little further to Turkey, uh, in Turkey, they used camel hair to felt material for hats until it was discovered that camel urine sped up the process. So, they would tan. Do you know the history of tanning? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I do, but <laughs> urine was used in, in tanning and in preparing felts. Okay. That's where the term piss poor comes from. Oh. Do you want to know the story of so- that? Okay, so slight sidetrack that fits into this. Uh the term piss poor originated, I cannot tell you the century and that's on me, but it was from families who were so poor that they would pee in a bucket and sell that bucket to tanners. And the tanners would use their urine for felts and, and that's tanning. Fascinating. Mhm. Interesting. So that's where the term piss poor comes from. Huh. That's why I was not surprised to learn that urine was used in hat making. Becca was. (laughs) Becca knows nothing about hats. Yeah. Uh, So in France, Frenchmen used their own urine, because I'm guessing it was harder to get camel urine. Probably. That's what my notes say. (laughs) I know for a fact it was probably harder in France than Turkey to get camel urine, so I don't know why I even questioned that statement. (laughs) One Frenchman was consistently getting superior felt, and it turned out he was getting treated for syphilis,
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, and so they're like, why is this better? You have this disease? What are you doing for this disease? So at the time, mercury was being prescribed as this kind of wonder drug, which if we have learned anything in this podcast, it's that no one knew anything about medicine until tomorrow. (laughs) We still don't know much about medicine. (laughs) But in the 19th century, they were like, take mercury. It'll cure your syphilis. You will also die, but that is... But not of the syphilis. But not of the syphilis. The syphilis will be treated. <laughs> so, our boy, Periclesis,
1: do you remember him? He was, we've talked about him so many times. We have. And he's not a good dude, right? Well, he's a misogynist, so I say no. Okay, then, yeah, but he was, was he the one that was like, you got to ingest mummies? Was that... Or was he the one that condemned ingesting mummies? We talked about him in the mummy episode. We did. He
0: was... All, he... Oh, no. I'm getting it wrong. I'm fairly certain Periclesis was the one who said drink from the living. But as long... Only if they're young. Okay. That tracks. He also in... He was also in the uh, dancing one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also said that Fra Trophia was a woman and that was why she was doing these things. Yeah. To spite her husband. Because women be tripping was his excuse. Yeah. Well... He also makes a brief mention in one of the sources because he was prescribing mercury for gout. Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, they just took anything and hoped for the best. Yeah. So there was a saying at the time, one night with Venus was followed by a lifetime with mercury. (laughs) Becca gets it, for those who don't get it. One night with a prostitute, Venus, and you're spending your whole life taking mercury. Yeah because syphilis was treated with mercury, and Europeans were just sleeping around, apparently. Yeah, but the joke is they were both gods. I'm so glad Becca passed sixth grade history. <laughs> I love that she knows that. <laughs> so this one dude was going around producing bomb asphalt. I don't know why I write this way. That's literally what my notes say. I... You're I'm just a historian gonna... of the people. I am. I'm a historian of the people. So this one man in France was going around creating just the most phenomenal felt. And people started to connect the fact that he was using his own urine. He was being treated for syphilis. He was getting mercury. Mercury in the urine. Mercury makes good felt. That was the roundabout way these people came to this conclusion. So then all these felt makers switched to straight mercury for curing the felt. But this led to mercury poisoning in the hat makers, Mm. felt makers. So how was the term popularized? Well, that's all thanks to Lewis Carroll and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the classic picture of the Mad Hatter. Which, I don't know if you remember this, I was obsessed with Alice in Wonderland in high school, and I couldn't tell you why.
1: Yeah. Like, obsessed.
0: I loved the Cheshire Cat. That was like my ish. My thing. Yeah. Was that weird little cat. Yep. So Lewis pulled some inspiration from the phrase, Mad as a Hatter, because Hatters were known for drool, tremble, talking to themselves, and to have bouts of severe paranoia. Which you kind of see in the classic novel. Mm-hmm. But you really see that in Johnny Depp's interpretation of it. In the more recent mm-hmm. uh, Alice films, he personifies Hatters very well. Mm-hmm. That paranoia, the talking to yourselves, the I don't even off-ness. know <laughs> the offness. Uh, but in more recent times, this interpretation has been met with some skepticism. Because another common symptom of Mad Hatter's disease was a shyness, which Lewis Carroll's Mad Hatter did not seem to possess. Mm. An alternative theory was that Lewis Carroll based this character on a furniture salesman, Theophilus Carter. So that's like another slight break from Mad Hatter, but that's a theory that it has nothing to do with the disease at all.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think that's credible. I don't think that's true, because... Because otherwise, why would he have
1: made him a hatter? Right.
0: <laughs> so, Tim Burton's 2010 adaptation of Alice in Wonderland draws clearer inspiration from the term Mad Hatter in the film with the orange coloration of the skin and hair of Depp's character, mm. which is a side effect of carroting. Which is uh, one of the ways they made felt. One of the terms was called carroting, and it produced an orange hinge orange tinge on the skin and hair of hat makers. Oh, interesting. So in the United States, so moving from England to the United States, France outlawed mercury usage in 1898 as they were seeing this increase in the the negative side effects. They were like, the the French French lawmakers started to go, mercury, hat making, not good. (laughs) So they outlawed it. Great Britain passed the Factory and Workshop Act in 1878 that prohibited mercury poisoning or mercury usage in hats. And America used mercury until
1: 1941 when it was outlawed for health, but mostly for war. That so tracks. That's that's industrial America to a T. Yeah. So we used it for an additional like 50 years. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So we're switching the story to America now, specifically Danbury, Connecticut, which was the hat-making capital of the world from the uh, 1880s until the 1940s. Wow. Yeah. So the Danbury Shakes was the Ameri- American equivalent of Mad Hatter's disease. Ah. So in the States, they called it the Danbury Shakes, which was mercury poisoning had become so common that many referred to it as that because the most common symptom was uh, shaking hands. Mm. So, Zadok Benedict, one of the first
1: Danbury hat makers. I'm in love with that name.
0: Zadok yeah. Benedict.
1: I'm gonna name my dog that when I get a dog. That's a strong name. Well, I couldn't put it on a child. I'd feel bad if I named a child Zadok Benedict.
0: Oh, you could still name a child <laughs> Zadok.
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, but you could.
0: So, late 19th century, 30 factories in Danbury were producing 5 million hats a year.
1: Damn. That's so crazy impressive to me.
0: The hat-making industry began to decline in the early 20th century as hats began to fall out of fashion, mm. which we learned about.
1: In the pin episode.
0: In the pin episode, yeah. I'm not saying that hats were falling out of fashion because women were using them as weapons, but you can't... A hundred percent contradict me on that statement. (laughs) Newspapers began to run ads stating that wearing a hat was keeping your neighbor working.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: So as hats began to decline in fashion, people were really trying to preserve them because for no other reason than keeping the city employed. Yeah. Uh, By the 1960s, there was one factory left in Danbury, and then in
1: the 1980s, operations ceased entirely. Wow. That's, that's gotta be so rough for that town. Can you imagine, like, their entire economy was based on the fact that they did this one thing and they did it really well. And then they had to just stop. They had to give it up.
0: Yeah. Changes in fashion entirely decimated a town. Yeah. Maybe decimated is the wrong word. I don't know how (laughs) Danbury is doing today. They could be thriving, but probably not. We don't wear hats. A 1943 U.S. Public Health Service found that 80% of American felt makers had the shakes, but the public made no outcry, according to the union. Mm. So Dr. J. Addison Freeman was, uh, he was published in 1860 with a report in the Transactions of the Medical Society of New Jersey with an article, Mercurial Disease Among Hatters. And in the 1869 French Academy of Medicine, also describing the health risk associated with hat making. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Freeman actually is the reason why France passed the 19, or 1898 laws to protect the hatters. Oh, wow. But the U.S. didn't heed his warning until much later. Tracks. Yeah. So Dr. Freeman, one of the quote-unquote experts on the Danbury shakes in the States, it implied that the prevention of hatter's shakes lied with medical professionals. He saw hatters not as victims of their own ignorance, filth, and drunkenness, but as blighted by an industry that later authors noted profited from their peril. So he's not a good dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, he kind of called out the industry on being like, you didn't ban mercury when everyone else did. But he also,
0: it's like a backhanded compliment. He's like, look, it's not because they're ignorant and drunk and filthy. It's because of the industry. Yeah. So it's like, thanks, but also rude. Yeah. Dr. L. Dennis visited 25 firms in Newark in 1878. He recommended the use of fans in factories, but suggested... Most of the health problems of hatters were due to an overindulgence in alcohol. Hmm. So this stigma of drunkenness helped with the exploitation of hatters, most of whom were recent immigrants. Mm. So nobody really cared about the
1: hatters. They were
0: like, well, they did it to themselves. Yeah.
1: Well, especially because all of the symptoms could present as chronic alcoholism. The shakes, the paranoia, the talking to themselves, like... All of that could present as somebody who is constantly drunk.
0: Huh. I had not put two and two together. I don't know what chronic alcoholism looks like, but apparently the Danbury shakes. (laughs) So there was also, interestingly, uh, an increased risk of tuberculosis. Interesting. Working in these factories. Yeah. I don't know how, but... I mean, just inhaling fumes maybe
1: isn't good for you? Maybe.
0: Maybe. Yeah, all these articles were like, oh, they are also at an increased risk of TB. No explanation. (laughs) Okay. So, they also believe that mercury poisoning was in connection with the Lincoln assassination. Hmm. Boston Corbett, who was the murderer of John Wilkes Booth. So, we're going to go a little in-depth on the Lincoln assassination now. So, Corbett was a hat maker since a young age. He was a religious zealot. And self-castrated Ugh. to, uh, like, cut down his libido. He was just like, I just want to have sex all the time, so let's get rid of this. Yeah. I don't know how that worked out for him. I don't recommend it. Corbett then joined the Union Army in the 16th New York Regiment. He went to find Booth after his successful assassination of the president. He ordered him... The, the orders were to take Booth alive. Corbett shot him instead. Uh, Corbett was then cleared of all charges. He was hailed as a hero because he killed the assassinator of the president. Yeah. So he, he was this, he was lauded. It was this incredible feat. Yeah. He ignored orders, but look what good he did. Yeah. Public outcry would never have let him be punished for that. Right. He then returned to hat making after the war before being institutionalized in 1887 and the following year, he escaped and disappeared. And no one knows what happened to Boston Corbett. Nice. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Ooh. But he most likely did suffer from some form of mercury poisoning. It could have been a more mild version, but he definitely had that paranoia associated with the poisoning.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Connections everywhere. Yeah.
0: So, finally... In the 20th century, after all these reports were coming out, U.S. officials outlawed mercury usage in hat making in the U.S. Glory, glory, hallelujah. So, the reason why they finally outlawed it was because World War II broke out in 1941 and that mercury was then used for military. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it was used for, I want to say weapons, probably most likely was used for weapons. Uh, but that shift, we, and we've seen that in other cases too, where in the episode about hat pins, mm-hmm. hat pins also fell out, or hat pit, or hats started to fall out of favor in World War I as we were trying to conserve resources for war efforts. Mm-hmm. That's why mercury usage was outlawed, is because it was now used for war efforts. Mm-hmm.
1: So finally, not because of the, not in recognition of the fact that it was making all of these hat makers... Sick, but because they were like, we have to focus on this war now. So, sure, it's illegal. It's been illegal for 50 years everywhere else, but we're gonna jump on the bandwagon.
0: <laughs> I mean, I used to be a military historian, so I always favor the side of, you know, the war. I'm always like, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> of course, we would need to do that. And then Becca's a rational human. <laughs> So Becca is saying, no, no, they should have done it
1: for legitimate reasons. And I'm like, no, they did it for the war. It makes sense. Which is fine. If you need resources for the war, I get that. Like, take the resources that you need. But I just can't get over the fact that they were like, these are just, they're just drunk. They're just drunk and they die a lot. I don't know. It has nothing to do with the thing that every other country has banned.
0: It's their own drunkenness, (laughs) filth, and ignorance. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so that is mad hatter's disease yeah oh i forgot i have to think of a title you do have to think of a title um because i mean mad as a hatter is just such a good title for it it is would you like to know my alternative
0: yeah one night with venus is followed by a lifetime with mercury
1: I never would have got it from that.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> also, just a very the, both
1: of those would be very good titles. Mhm. Mhm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I I probably would have pulled from that that quote from uh, Doctor Freeman. Is that what you said his name was? Yes. Yeah, I probably would have pulled something from that and been. Like, with the ignorance and drunkenness, and then a title with that in it.
0: And that fits so many people, so that would have been hard to narrow it down historically. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, Ignorance, Drunkenness, and Mercury.
0: Oh, okay. I probably could have got that.
1: Yeah. Well, if you knew about it. I never would have got it if that was the title.
0: Again, I was weirdly obsessed with Lewis Carroll in high school, so
1: I kind of knew it. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's a good Good topic. I liked this one. Yeah. Probably going to be a shorter episode. It is. It's a little bit shorter,
0: but that's fine.
1: We also have been together for, like, a day, so we don't have as much banter. This is true. And also, too, we only have one microphone, so I'm very worried about
0: audio quality. Yeah. We might actually end up having to re-record this. Oh, no. Just because I talk very loud and you don't, it makes me nervous. Well, we'll play it back. Okay. All right. Okay. And remember... Truth is stranger than fiction and history is a whole hell of a lot weirder than we think.